0: dear God, what happened here? Is is this actually the recycling dump? There is nothing but bottles, and they're all empty. Oh, dear God, I knew New Year's was radical here, but this is just... Oh, my God. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I'm going to have to do the show by myself. Oh, sweet mother. Oh, God.
1: Ah. Oh, it's too much noise. Are you you okay then? Oh my god, my five o'clock shadow has a six o'clock shadow. Why do
0: you smell a de month?
1: Oh, I don't even remember, dude. Uh why are you here?
0: Because we have to record a show.
1: Oh, are you fucking kidding me
0: right no. now? No, 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 remember? It's, oh this my happens god. every
2: week.
1: I'm still hungover from New Year's Evil, dude. I can't, I can't even, I don't know how I would possibly even be able to get through the show. Is that yogurt in your hair? Please tell oh my me that's yogurt Oh my god, in your hair. I hope it's yogurt. I mean, do you have... Is there, like, a medicine I can take or something that will instantly make me feel like I could do a show again? Because I can't think of anything off the top of my head.
0: Hang on, let me look around here. There's Oh, there's something swirling around in the bottle of this. It's mostly backwash, but beer?
1: Beer! And let's do this fucking show. Digi-files, and welcome to the first Digital Noise of 2015. Richard, we get to do the first Digital Noise of 2015. This is a momentous occasion. <laughs> and what do we do for the first DigiFiles of, of 2015? Almost nothing.
0: Yay! Also, <laughs> also, stuff that came out at the very end of 2014, that, which is the dog days of cinema. Oh
1: my gosh. I, I, this show is... If you, if you don't have a lot of time to spare, don't worry. This show is probably... We're, we're fine. We're already halfway through it. You remember when we t- tried to kill you with the world's
0: longest podcast two weeks ago? This nope. is the
1: opposite nope. of that. This is the opposite of that. It's the future! Like, officially, because movies have told me. So it's <laughs> it's 2015, now we're in the future. Yep. We're broadcasting from the future. I'm so excited about this. This is our weekly DVD and Blu-ray review show that tells you which titles you should buy, and which should be forgot and never brought to mind. I am your host, Brian Salisbury, and I'm joined by my mate, my chum, my brother from another dimension, Mister Richard Whitaker. Morning. Morning. Hey, up? How it we is, doing? <laughs> it is a bit of a rough morning. How is morning.
0: your head, by the way? Um. In all seriousness. I'm
1: doing okay. I'm Aww. not great, but I'm okay.
0: Little fragile.
1: It was. Uh, it was a good party, and good. Uh, I, I actually made it all the way to the last guest left, which is uh, not unprecedented, but definitely a rarity in the case of New Year's. Did you Evil,
0: make so. it vertically?
1: Yes, hey. yeah, Yeah. I even cleaned up, like, that night, it was crazy What? I know, it's ridiculous Crazy <laughs> Why would you do that to yourself? Be- because I'm, uh, it was like the ultimate form of masochism
0: Well, there is There is nothing worse than waking up the next morning and there's just that light smell of sto- of stale lager
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true That's pretty much like hell Or, or beer, as we call it in the normal countries Well, um, no, because, like,
0: lager is a variety of beer
1: I know this ah. Dude, I'm an alcoholic, of course I know this High functioning, though, so, high, yeah, with pride High functioning <laughs> You can find this high-functioning show on iTunes as well as on Stitcher. You can also follow the show on Twitter at DigiNoiseCast. That's D-I-G-I NoiseCast. Or you can like the website on Facebook, Facebook.com slash OneOfUsNet. And please do remember to become a subscriber if you haven't already. Even at just the $2 a month level, you will get access to uh, our brand new subscriber-only news show Mm -hmm. called The Breakfast Pub that Chris and I do every week to make your Monday or Tuesday mornings a little bit brighter. Uh, lots of fun there and again you can get that for just $2 a month I think that's a pretty good bargain. deal bargain but uh, now that all the housekeeping's been done it's time to reach out to the sphere and reach th- <laughs> I have it in front of me and I fucked it up this is not a good way to start this 2015 is, this is the perfect way to start 2015 oh. hmm? Start as,
0: not as you mean to go on, but as you have to accept you will go on.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, thank you for that quote. Did you read that on the back of a beer mat, perhaps? <laughs> anyway, let's try that again. It's time to reach out to the industry and receive transmissions from you, the listener. It's the part of the show we crack open that most questionable of coffers we call... The got mail yes the letterbox and you're looking very festive in your in your diaper torgo or is that was that a new year's costume are you the new year's be- it's not a costume you're, you're just wearing a diaper do you need to change him? Uh, we'll deal with that a little bit later. You you, you run along now. Uh, we're going to answer three questions this week, because as we alluded to before, we have fuck all to Good talk knowing. about in terms of releases. So no, I, 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 w- I will clarify, just so people stick around. We don't have many releases,
0: mm-hmm. but there's a couple of doozies this week that are yeah. um, probably not on your radar. Though. True so story. stick around. True.
1: Stick around. That's a very Question true statement. Question
0: me up, though. Question me. Uh,
1: Quiz me up like Billy Quizboy. Well, my first query comes from Jape Man. Dude, <laughs> dude, 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 dude. Man, who says what is your most anticipated non-tentpole movie of 2015 i'm assuming by that he means non-superhero non-comic book which is also superhero or superhero
0: yeah um <laughs> weird coincidence this morning uh, i was actually writing up my list of films that i saw on the festival circuit during 2014 uh, mm-hmm. that are going to be appear. They're going to be released in 2015.
1: By the way, if you guys don't know this, Richard's like a legit journalist. Actual journalist. Like, he's not like the rest of us jokers here. Like He's an actual film journalist. So Sorry. You should go read his stuff on the Austin Chronicle. Yeah,
0: so uh, if you go to austinchronicle.com, uh, you can actually read it. Um, some of the things I put on there that I really loved, I, 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 I'm anticipating being able to see them with other people. Uh, Sion Sono's new one, Tokyo Tribe, which is completely nuts. Is one of the. It's, As I've heard. It's um, basically a 1980s uh, dancing street gang movie, but done with Tokyo hip hop artists. And the whole thing is one. There is music all the way through. It nice. is. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of musicals. This is amazing and completely. see on Soto. Yeah. It, you know, why don't you play in hell and Cold Fish and Suicide Club? This guy is one of the, I think, arguably the most creative uh, person working in film at the moment, just for the variety of stuff he does. Um, this is just such fun. People who did not want to like it came out just humming along to the theme, and I'm like, yep, that's a successful film. I'm uh, also going to go other end of the spectrum. Uh, Something I saw at South by Southwest uh, early, earlier this last year now. Timing. In um, fact, <laughs> uh, two. Uh, one that's coming up very soon uh, What We Do in the Shadows, uh, which is Jermaine from Flight of the Concords, a comedy vampire mockumentary, which is hilarious. That's what I hear. It man. is so fun. It's really sweet. It's really clever. It's beautifully done. Um, does fan footage brilliantly. Well, mockumentary really, really brilliantly. The other one kind of polo end of the spectrum, uh, Riley Stearns uh, and Faults, which is Leland Orsa as a cult deprogrammer who is sent to get uh, Mary Elizabeth Winston back with her family. And it becomes one of the best psychodramas you will see this year. That is a great film. A lot of the cast of The Guest...
1: Oh, really? Yeah,
0: Guest, which is one of my favorite films. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, done by some of my favorite people. Uh, Yeah, half the cast is the same people. Like, people who are minor characters in The Guest are major characters (laughs) in Faults, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, there is an AJ Bowen commentary. Hey, up AJ. Yeah. AJ AJ turns up for a cameo for about two minutes and is just great fun. So, I'm going to go with those.
1: Let me give you a preview of that commentary. Hey, hey. uh, (laughs) Um,. I'm hilarious. Um, so, <laughs> he hates it when I do that. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with uh, a film that did get uh, a play in the in the festival circuit, but I unfortunately was not able to see it. But all I've heard are ravings about It Follows, uh, which oh, is yes. a spectacular horror film from what I've what I've gleaned, and I really want to get a chance to see it. Also, there's a new Michael Mann film coming out, and I he's one of my favorite directors. I relish any opportunity I have to see a new Michael Mann film, and with Black Hat coming out this year. Um, I think that's one that's probably going to fly under most people's radar, or if they do see a trailer for it, I think it's going to be a hearing on action movie, which it could be, but it's a Michael Mann film. Yeah. And I am always excited to see a new Michael Mann film. But beyond that, I think most of my, most of my, like most anticipated movies of 2015 are probably going to be the very, uh, the very typical stuff. Things like Mad Max Fury Road and Jurassic world. And uh, of course the new star Wars. So I don't know, I, I think is, I think the two that would maybe be less tentpole would be Black Hat and It Follows.
0: Is it me? Is it just me, or is anybody else vaguely concerned when they watched uh, the Fury Road trailer? They were like, oh, this looks really great, but then so did the trailer for Prometheus, and that had Charlize Theoron in as well.
1: I, I, I will give you that. Uh, However, Prometheus didn't have a fire tornado picking up, like, dune buggies of the wasteland and tossing them up there's like that is carnage candy that's all that trailer was but if if the trailer is just that if there is nothing else in the movie besides that if there is no plot if there is no character development and it's just that i'm still gonna have fun with it i will yeah but i will see you encounter george miller's last big high-profile project babe two pig in the city which I've heard from a lot of people is better than you might think.
0: No, it's, it's terrifying. It's a horrifying movie at every level. Okay. Not least because it turns out that the villain is uh, an orangutan with, with uh, senile dementia.
1: Wait, uh, wait. It's uh, really disturbing. Like, like phenomena? Wait, what are we talking about no, here? No,
0: it's, it's a talking orangutan with, uh, with senile dementia. And it, it, you only find out that actually it has, you know, this, this orangutan has, who's been like, manipulating everybody It's huh. kind of like Samuel L. Jackson in um, Django. And then it turns out he's senile and is looking for his pants. And it's just like, oh, my God, this is the worst film ever. It's really horrifying. I need to
1: see this immediately. Is... You're doing nothing to dissuade me from seeing this you film. Will... I want you to know that.
2: The, the
0: people who love it, and then there are other people who just go, oh, this is horrifying. How did Kubrick not direct
1: this? This is not right. True story. Well, our next question comes from Jaime. Um, let's see if I can butcher this. It comes from Jaime uh, Mzeel Fuentes. Who asks? Are there any moments where you walk into a movie expecting one thing or not even knowing anything about it, and walk into something completely unexpected? I think this happens to me at least four times a year. Well, that's
0: just because you're vaguely concussed.
1: Well, that's that's true, and the the alcohol the alcohol makes me forget what I'm walking into even seconds after I've read the synopsis online. Um, but I will say the most the most recent one I can think of that was just night and day what I was expecting versus what I got was uh, Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Which is a movie I was forced to see on my birthday because nobody else would go see it. Uh, so I was going to be on, uh, I think it was the Spill Review at the time. So I went and saw Pitch Perfect by myself on my birthday. I walked in that theater, so like, this motherfucking movie about Glee Clubs. I hate Glee. It better be booze. And I was just so mad. And then I watched it. I'm like, oh my god, no. This is if Glee was done well. And it just reminded me how much I do actually love acapella singing when it's done well, and when it's not cloying and 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 bullshit like Glee is. Like I I love that movie. I love the characters. I love that it's raunchy and sweet at the same time. And the music is legit. Like I I I thought it was amazing. And I'm now looking forward to Pitch Perfect two coming out this year.
0: Um, I mean, like you, I spend so much of the time doing festival stuff or you know being sent screeners that I'm like. The hell even is this? I'm just used to being surprised by something and sure. I just don't know where the direction is going to go. I'd say the two this year that have really stood out for me and one of these, one of them is your fault. Uh-oh, what you. did I do?
1: It's one of your favorite franchises. Is it Friday the 13th? No. Is is it... Uh, no, you put me on the spot, I don't know.
0: Step a ball in. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect anything that clever.
1: <laughs> okay, here's the thing about like... The first Step Up movie I watched was Step Up 3, and it's not that I didn't get what I expected. It's that they took what I expected and just, like, stuck an air nozzle in it and just kept pumping until it was the size of a fucking parade balloon. And went, no, that's what you're getting. You're getting the biggest version of what you thought it was going to be ever, which somehow, like, did this Jedi mind trick on my brain and retconned me into thinking, oh, that's actually what I wanted, I guess. (laughs) Awesome. I'm, I'm happy with this. I love that franchise so much. <laughs> yes. I, I love that it's it's got a Marvel cinematic universe uh, adherence to continuity yeah. for no reason whatsoever.
0: And Steppable in the the sequence in the abandoned arcade, yes, uh, with uh, Ravigan um is just that is one of the best dance sequences ever. I will put that. I will put that up against uh, anything from Singing in the Rain. Really Holy it shit, it is that good. It is a beautiful sequence. Uh, the other film. From this year that I'm going to claim, which is actually coming out in 2015, uh, from our friends over at Draft House Films, uh, Spring.
1: Oh yes, yeah. Which, from the makers of Resolution.
0: Uh, from the makers of Holy Shit, this is amazing. Yes, uh, which
1: is Resolution. By the way, is another film that I didn't know what to expect and really loved. Anyway,
0: this is. You start off and you think that it's this uh, a drama about a guy who his life is basically falling apart and yeah. he's, you know, he really just needs to have a change of scenery. Then it seems like it's going to become a road trip. Then it becomes something else. Then it becomes something else. And at the end, you suddenly realize, oh, that was the kind of film I was watching. And it pulls all of that off amazingly. It has yeah, like, four completely different sections in a way, but then you realize, like, oh, that was what... I you know that was what I, I always wanted to see, and mm-hmm. you know there, that's one of my favorite films of of twenty fifteen already. I, a, I love that movie. A
1: strange gothic romance yeah. more than a uh, mainstream horror film. Yeah, and
0: yeah. it pulls some stuff out that you'll be like, where are? So yeah, that's, that's actually that's another <laughs> one on my list of things I'm looking forward to this year.
1: There you go. Uh, I have to go back to uh, Twenty One Jump Street. Uh, with Lord Miller. That was the movie that convinced me that Lord and Miller were those guys that I should never doubt ever again. And my faith was rewarded with the Lego movie, which Lego stands movie. as my favorite, my favorite by far animated film of last year. Like, I'm sorry, How to Train Your Dragon 2, you're a great film. Big Hero 6, you were a lot of fun. Lego movie, not only for how funny it was, not only for how it broke my expectations, but how innovative they got with their style of animation oh, you yeah. know mixing cgi with stop motion and creating these like especially the water effects with legos were just absolutely gorgeous and mind-blowing so i i have to give it up whereas to
0: that. I'm, I'm 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 a reverse on my one two i love the, uh, the lego movie but i think just you know being from the north of england um, the Viking thing just just pushes uh, How to Train you, and the flight sequences How to Train Dragon. They're outstanding. Having watched, outstanding, I, having yeah. watched uh, one and two again as a double bill, I'm just like, oh my god, I love that. I love this franchise. This franchise can do no wrong, and I love the TV series as well. So I'm I'm going to reverse that. But they didn't ask that question. They asked different no. questions.
1: They asked a third question. <laughs> they did ask a third, third question. question. Michael, call me Ishmael McCall. asks Hello, uh, Ishmael. Happy New Year. That's not a question. Are there any great classic films you are deeply ashamed that you have not gotten around to watching yet? You know what? This is a good question. And being that we're the first show of 2015, I think not only should we tell people what these movies are that we haven't seen, our blind spots, but we should make a resolution to actually this year knock them off the list at long last. So, Richard, what is one classic movie that you have not seen that you're ashamed (sighs) that you haven't seen?
0: Well, I, I I always did really well on this because the BBC would always show the classics, like the canon, constantly. So I you know I got that kind of education, and basically saved myself a couple of years of film school, I suspect, by watching all this stuff when I was you know, when I was pretty young. So there's some stuff I could probably ha- handle to go back and rewatch. Um, uh, one that I am ashamed to have. Not watched, and one that I haven't watched, and I'm kind of not actually ashamed of it. I probably should. <laughs> okay. Um, I've never actually seen the Grapes of Wrath.
1: Neither have I. Yeah. No, um, I I re- what? Wait, is it? No, I totally have. I totally have seen the Grapes of Wrath. Sorry, I saw it in a uh, a John Ford, not John Ford, Glenn Ford box set. Yeah. So I did actually
0: I, I. It's one of those rare ones. It's one of those ones in kind of the AFI 100 that I haven't seen. Um, and that one's the one like. I've read the book and I know it, and I know Mm -hmm. you know I've seen all the all the major scenes from it so many times, but you know I just I've never seen the whole thing. I really need to. Um, The one that I haven't seen, and I probably should, but it just always made my skin crawl. I didn't really want to watch it, and I'm like, fuck, Uh, intolerance. Because uh, I don't want to, I don't really want to have to sit through a clan recruitment <laughs> poster. Uh, but you know, um, I I uh, watched Gone with the Wind, which is pretty much the same thing. Oh, um, there you go. Yeah. Don't get me started on that. So yeah, those are my two, and this year I will try to get them watched.
1: Somebody talked about maybe they should do a a colorized version of Birth of a Nation, and I was like, why? You have gone with the wind. Um, (laughs) uh, I am going to admit here and now that I have never actually seen Citizen Kane, uh, which is something I am ashamed of, not because I think I'm going to love the movie. Uh, I've read enough about it to know that it's one of those films that has largely over the years become relegated to... More impressive for what it was at the time and what they were trying to do versus you know as a film itself. Yeah. Um, so, but I am ashamed because as a film critic, like that is something I feel everyone should have to see. It should just be uh, required reading, required viewing kind of thing. And I just I have never gotten around to it. Also, Sunset Boulevard. I've never really? actually seen Sunset Boulevard. Um... But there, the problem is that so much of these movies have become pop culture. Uh, kind of cannon fodder That I've seen it parodied so much And I've seen clips of it you know, In, in this study or that documentary That I I get the gist I, And I feel like part of my brain is like Oh well then you've seen it And it's like no I actually haven't seen it I just know enough about it that to trick myself into thinking that
0: uh, I, I'd actually say that Out of the two of them Kane actually still stands out better as a whole film but I mean, the thing is you'll watch it and you'll suddenly realize like how much it changed everything because you've watched enough stuff that came from before that you'll mm. go, "Oh wow, this really is like this is a paradigm ship um yeah I, I, and it's great great performances. Um, but it, yeah, I, I'm a little surprised on that one. It's like, it's, I, that's one that's almost hard to not have seen. That's like, true. Like, you, know, you know, it's like, King I had to Kong. work like really hard. You have to actually make, make time and effort in your life, uh, to avoid screenings of it. It just kind of happens at you while you're not watching.
1: And then one final one, uh, which is, this is hard for me specifically because I have no shame. But uh, I am ashamed that I haven't seen The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Really? I have not seen. Again, because pop culture, I, all I know of that movie is badges we don't need no stinking badges. That's literally all I know of that entire movie is that one line of dialogue that has it, been repeated ad nauseum and parodied ad nauseum throughout the years. It's
0: one of the, I, I it's like Casablanca in that it's such a great film but it has these iconic moments mm-hmm. that once you can you come at it and you kind of like you're able to ignore the iconic moments and you just see how Fucking strong that film is. I um, mean, I, 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 I push that one to the top of the pile. Actually,
1: I think as an actual viewing experience, that one. Treasure Sierra madre. Yeah. All right, I will add that to my list. I will resolve to watch all of these movies in 2015, and I will also resolve to get this fucking lid to stay shut on the letterbox because it's like every week it pops back open. What? I don't know what that's all about. We're gonna close the lid. We're gonna shove the box back under Chris's bed, and we're gonna move on to the very brief segment of the. <laughs> And reminding you that all the plentiful movies we'll be talking about this week. There will be links on the page to Amazon if you click that link to get there. Even if you don't buy that item, just getting to Amazon via that link, anything you buy benefits us. So thank you very much for using that. And we're going to start with the good lie. (laughs) The first good lie about this, and actually the biggest one, is the cover. Oh my god. This is one of the worst film covers. Like to the point that it is insulting. Oh yes. How bad? Okay. So the basic premise of this movie. This is a drama. No. Uh, no. Let's, let's, no? Let,
0: let's let's go with. Let's look at the cover, okay? And think. There we what's go.
1: The, what's the premise of what? What is the cover? Now, you guys can scroll down on the page here and look at the cover of the movie uh, and follow along at home if you're it's, reading it's along with it. It's Reese
0: us. Witherspoon's gurning head, This and then- giant
1: head with, like, if you... Okay, just look at the top half. Let's cut everything below the, the... Okay, right in the middle of the fucking box, there's a line across. So it's divided into two parts, like it's some kind of double feature. Yeah. Which is already, like, terrible design. But let's cover up the bottom. So... Uh, it's First of all It says the good Yeah If you cover up the bottom And it's just Reese Witherspoon's Enormous head And then a city skyline Off in the distance It could not look more Like a romantic comedy If it tried Plus she looks like
0: She's totally derping There as well
1: Yes and absolutely And heavily airbrushed Which is Reese Witherspoon You don't need to You
0: know
1: No So one would suspect From the top half Of this cover art That this is a movie That stars Reese Witherspoon As the main character In a romantic comedy when As in, the derpy main character As the derpy main character When in reality This is a movie About about Sudanese refugees in the early 2000s who escaped the most deplorable conditions imaginable and escaped to the United States uh, under asylum, and it's their struggle to maintain a life here in the states as they long to find their their lost brother who basically sac- like it's just like the saddest story imaginable. Oh, and the best thing, the best thing, whoever was
0: was putting this this package together stuck the Rotten Tomato sticker label over the Sudanese characters. Here's the thing. Oh my God. Reese
1: Witherspoon's character in this movie is in it very little and I'm sorry her contribution to their overall story is pretty damn minimal. Yeah. She gets them a fucking job. That's pretty much it. I'm sorry, that's her entire so- contribution to this harrowing story of of the, the human will to survive, and she's in it for five minutes, gets them a job, and because of that, she is presented as the main character, and then if you cover up the top half, and I want you to really think about this, cover up the top half, and it just says lie, yeah. and then in the tiniest bottom left corner, we see the main characters as children, even though for most of the movie, they're adults, and even that is covered up by the fucking certified fresh sticker. Ugh. This is fucking insulting This basically says This is worse than the blind side This mm-hmm. isn't just White lady saves the day This is white lady is our god According to the cover <laughs> I hate this fucking cover So so much however, We need painters back To do real posters However The film's really good The film's not bad yeah. the film, I, yeah. I, I enjoyed the film <laughs> <laughs>
0: We've, uh, now we've now we've ripped the uh, the people are completely confused by what yeah, the fuck no, is going on the, this is the thing this is this is the worst most representative cover i think i've ever seen in my life um for a film and the film itself is actually really you know, it's it's you know it's not going to change the world but it—I mean—it starts off with basically these these kids in this village in Sudan in the early '90s, and they're like, "Oh, everything's nice," and uh, then you know a bunch of people turn up and kill everyone. Yeah, and, and, and arms, they go on—they go on a trek to Kenya, and you know, they
1: walk 875 miles to Kenya to a uh, a camp, a NATO camp, uh, where after they lived there for 13 years. Yes, that's incredible to me. Like they had to live in this camp for 13 years until they're finally able to make it to america and it's about their struggle once they get there to build a life for themselves and And to
0: come from a completely different culture there's a wonderful character beat um when they're in the camp and they're being told oh you're going to be going to america and you're going to be going to a cold bit of america and they will go well we're from sudan we don't know what cold is and they open up this bag and it's got this block of ice in it and they go this is ice You've never seen this because you're Sudanese refugees in a Kenyan Kenyan camp. You mm-hmm. don't know what this is. You've literally never seen this in your life. You'll see lots of this when you move to fucking
1: Iowa. Oh, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite was one of the guys uh, who's not one of the main characters. Somebody in the room at the time is like, will it be much cold where I'm going? And he goes, where are you going? He's like, Fargo. And he's like, yeah, uh, you're going to see a lot of this. <laughs> But, you know, one of my favorite characters... i got to say this about the movie. Everything involving... Uh, the, the film primarily focuses on uh, three of the Sudanese boys because they became known as the Lost Boys of Sudan, which I think was kind of odd considering that not all of the refugees that came over to the States were male. So it was just kind of... It was a weird name to pick. A little arbitrary, perhaps. Um, but it focuses on these, on these three men. And, you know... I think everything involving them is very engaging and it's very sweet. And one of my favorite character moments between them is when someone tells them, uh, you know, they get set up with these jobs. They're adjusting to American culture and someone tells them the oldest joke in the book about why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side and they can't stop laughing about it. It is. It's the first time they've ever heard it. It is so funny to them to the point that one of them later when they're lying in bed starts laughing. Like, what are you laughing about? He's like, still just thinking about the chicken. (laughs) It was such a sweet moment. Like, This is this they get to see this world like that we have like take for granted on a daily basis. And they get to see like all of these these new and wonderful angles to it. I mean, and it's not all sunshine and and rainbows. Like they deal with some, you know, very heavy stuff even after they've escaped Sudan. And uh, and especially the in the third act, what one of them uh, the choice that one of them makes is, yeah. it's really heartbreaking. And I and I think the performances by them is great. The white people characters in this movie, on the other hand, I think are really fucking broadly drawn. Yeah, I think they they just become hallmark movie characters more than actual human beings. Although
0: uh, to, to credit her, you know, Reese Witherspoon does as as much as she possibly can with not an awful lot, and she's not. She doesn't desperately want to make her character, you know, lovely or totally redeemed at the end. She's still mm. a bit of a bitch, but like yes. she's a bitch trying to do things for the right reason. Sure. Um, you know, I think Pete, you know, the people who probably learned something about, you know, what being a refugee really means. Um, yeah. And it doesn't gloss over the fact that you know it's, a, it's it's, not easy. You know, you don't suddenly get get to come to America and everything's wonderful. It's like I've never lived in this kind of environment and now I've got to take a shitty job stocking shelves. It's a lot better than getting shot at. But at the same time, it's not easy. But and the- one of the best things about this film is that the cast uh, are actually most of them are Sudanese refugees. That's right. And you, yeah. fight, you know, and a couple of them were actually boy soldiers. I mean, they they've been through some shit. So this is a film that isn't just oh, let's get some actors to do this. This is like this is obviously a fairly personal experience yeah. for all of them. And I, you know, I, I, that is just one of the things I really really. You know, I really liked about this film and I kind of found, you know, kind of, you know, you don't want to say it's important because, but if you, in a way, if you can get this film into the hands of people who would just want a Reese Witherspoon Hallmark movie, then good on you. So I see why they did the cover, but it is utterly fucking deceptive and it kind of pisses me off.
1: See, but I think that adds a very authentic texture to this movie that pushes it more toward the realm of something like documentary Mm. than, you know, a Hallmark film that is just sappy for the sake of, you know, manipulating the heartstrings. I think this is because they have actually been through, you know, something like that experience, if if not that exact experience. It really makes the movie more authentic. But what really irritates me more about the cover is that, like I said, all of the the white characters in this movie are the. I won't say they're unnecessary. They're absolutely necessary to the story, but they are not the heart of the movie. They are not where the movie has you know finds finds its feet and really gets to you. And You can even make the argument, I think, that Corey Stoll's character in this movie does way more for these refugees than does Reese Witherspoon. So why, just because she's the biggest star in the movie, is her face plastered all over the front to the point that they actually are hiding the fact that that this movie has... Uh, you know Sudanese characters by putting a fucking certified fresh sticker over them.
0: Uh, yeah, well, and, it's and, horrendous. And then we can, if you want, we can go on my tirade about Rotten Tomatoes. Anyway, but that's a different story. Yeah, and why it. that
1: sticker shouldn't be on any fucking movie in the first place, ever.
0: Um, <laughs> so, so no, I mean this is, I, you know, I really, I, I enjoyed this, I, and I did not expect to. Um, in fact, if you want a really surprisingly fun double bill, uh, watch this. And there's a great documentary called Death Metal Angola. Which, if you've never seen, I haven't ever heard of that. It's, uh, it, it this documentarian went to Angola, you know, where they're trying to rebuild after their own civil war, and found out that there's actually a really big death and extreme metal scene there.
1: What the fuck?
0: Because these guys go, you know, we've well, actually
1: lived that darkness. And, yeah, they went. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: and they're like, well, who knows it better than us? That's, and it's that's like, a good it's point. Really, wow. really fucking good. And they put on. Um, angola's first ever metal festival and it's yeah so i'd actually watch those in as a double bill because uh death metal angola takes what should be a very dark and depressing subject and makes it um a lot lighter and a lot more And really it's one of the feel-good movies of last year i know weird it's on vod now
1: um i thought you were going to say a double bill would be an interesting double bill would actually be with the movie wild which also has Reese Witherspoon, because in that movie she's like, I'm gonna go on a long walk because my marriage didn't work out, and I use sex to validate myself, and I'm sad. And it's like, really, bitch? Because we're walking because militias are chasing us. (laughs) And if we sleep in the wrong place, lions are gonna eat us. But you know what? Go on your fucking self-discovery walk, all right? We're gonna try to get to Kenya before we get murdered, and we're children, okay? So, I think that'd be a really interesting double feature to just kind of highlight the white privilege situation.
0: (laughs) Walk, aka eat, hike, love.
1: Eat, hike, love. We just found some, the title of this episode, I'm ladies get and some gentlemen. Shit
0: for that one. Yeah, but I stand by that. That more is one likely. of those things that I, I looked at the description and went, "This may, I may be so, the wait, conclusions, but this really
1: looks like a shit pile." I, I don't know. I liked Wild. I mean, I, I didn't hate it completely. Although when you watch this movie right after that one, and they both have Reese Witherspoon, you like, yeah, like. But they're walking to survive, and you were walking because you were kind of feeling down, like you know what I mean. Mur, mur. I'm sad because I'm white, and like literally, in the at one point in the movie, REI sends her a free pair of shoes. And there's a scene in this movie where a a Sudanese selflessly gives up his shoes as he's about to get on the plane to America because other people don't have shoes. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, wow. Context. Don't watch these two movies back to back because you will hate everything about Wild. <laughs> just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> Anywho, we're gonna move on. <laughs> Moving oh, on. my God. I never thought about how much of a juxtaposition Wild and the Lie really are. Anyway. I wonder if Reese
0: Witherspoon now goes back and look at Wild goes, Oh, it's my best chance of an Oscar nomination, but fuck.
1: <laughs> Jesus <laughs> H. Christ. We're going to take a little trip to Italy. Yeah. So this is a sequel, right? As, yes. I, as I understand it, and you're 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 Britishy. Uh, <laughs> I take it you did not enjoy this film. Okay, should we explain at least what's going on Let's here?
0: Let's explain
1: the the basic. You um, you may need to give me a little bit of help with the background here because I know that this okay. movie is a follow up to. So Steve Coogan and Rob Bryden play themselves, uh, going on this trip that they've basically been. Uh, they've gotten an assignment to write restaurant reviews throughout Italy together. Uh, and they're both kind of on this weird hiatus during their careers. They're like, yeah, let's take a trip to Italy. And it's really about the places they go, the conversations they have. That's pretty much the whole yeah. the whole. It movie. Is
0: a, it started off, uh, there was a British TV show called uh, The Trip, where Rob Bryden and Steve Coogan, who are two British comedians who you know, have a long established career. Bryden's much more successful in the UK than he is in the States. You know, Coogan has his kind of cult following over here. And they they went round restaurants in the north of England, and they ate food, and they talked to each other, and they did impressions. And probably everybody, if they've not seen the trip, they've at least seen them doing their rival Michael Caine's, which yes. has kind of become, you know... I think, which you know, they do again in this film. It is, is harmless enough in, when you watch it in 30-minute installments, um, but then they edited it together into a two-hour film. And it became unendurable, and I don't know why people love the first one, because it's really two hours with this pair of, you know, oh, good for you, you're a middle-aged comedian that can do some impressions. Oh, God, you're going to do it for two hours. And it's like, you know, some angst, and then, oh, God, really? Are we doing this constantly? But it was successful enough that they did a follow-up TV series, The Trip to Italy, and now we're getting the movie re-edit of this right. so it's like the trip mm. but oh wow they get to go to Italy now you remember the reason that we hate modern Adam Sandler movies that somehow he has conned Sony into paying for his vacation, into being his
1: travel agent and the thing yeah. is
0: like I, everybody I've spoken to who's so I've worked with Adam Sandler says he is the nicest guy he is lovely to work with and for he cannot do enough for a project if he's on it which is fair enough you know his films may be shit you
1: know? Right 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 <laughs>
0: Blended That motherfucker Go back and listen To our review I- of that I think
1: you're being Generous saying Maybe shit
0: But this is that But it's two Fairly affluent Middle aged Impressionists Getting paid By the BBC To go to Italy Wine a little bit mm-hmm. Eat some delightful food Which you never Find anything out about I'm like No, no, the, no, no. I really want to Like know stuff About it. You don't even see
1: them Writing a review At any point No I'm and like, then wh- they're Just wh-
0: like They're you know Oh well one of them Sleeps with some woman And has a little bit Of angst and another one has some issues with his son but it's not really much and it really this is this is self indulgent whining cinema um at its worst um and i probably should at some level love this but i really found this very frustrating and spoiled brat it's exactly where you were discussing the wild a couple of moments ago. Really? Fuck you and your first world problems. Um, Because it really is like they they have very little to complain about, but they're going to. And anything that, that happens to them that's negative is basically their own fault. Nothing happens at the beginning of this film. Nothing happens through the duration of it. It's utterly unengaging. I really, really was like, oh, fuck you. Fuck you. You are everything I hate about the British comedy establishment at this point.
1: Allow me to take the counterpoint, chin chin, uh, if, if I can at this point. Um, Don't I w- feel obligated. I, I will say that I think the reason that I actually I didn't love this movie, I, I enjoyed it. I felt I felt it was a a uh, a fun passing of two hours because I have never seen the trip. I had never seen really Coogan or Bryden do any comedy. I've only seen Coogan in a few American comedies in supporting roles. I've never really seen his British stuff. So for me, this was brand new material. Um, and I, as somebody who obsessively does impressions anyway, like I kind of appreciated the fact that not only is he doing impressions, but that, you know, Coogan is like criticizing his impressions and then he's having to defend like, no, it actually sounds like this and you have to do this. I'm like, yeah, there's a fucking science to it. And, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and I enjoyed their conversations, but to me, what this felt like was it felt like if somebody adapted an Ernest Hemingway book with the narrative but not the subtext. If somebody took the plot of The Sun Also Rises, for example, which if you actually think about the plot of that book, yeah. is just people go to coffee shops. It's people go to coffee shops or on a whim, they might go to a bullfight or let's spend the weekend in Tuscany. You know, like, <laughs> like that's literally the entire plot of a Hemingway book is what coffee shops, what bullfights, what, uh, you know, we're we're uh, expatriates and we don't really belong here, but we're going to... I mean, it's, it's that same kind of pretension. But the difference is that Hemingway has a very palpable subtext, uh, you know, dealing from issues all the way from masculinity to I mean, that, that's I'm not doing a book report, sorry. But the point is <laughs> now. this this that's what this felt like. It felt like kind of it was very jaunty. It was very like it's very much about the beauty of the locales. It was very much about the friendship of these two men and the things that they get into as they're on this trip. And yes, there's not much there. It's it's a very slight film. It's very airy. Um, and I will I will agree that it goes on for a little bit too long. Um, but I, I actually did enjoy it on uh, on on some level, so I can't or, completely I, I, write it I off. I actually
0: had a hard time finishing this film. This was the, this you you say Hemingway without the subtext. Um, I say a slightly more pretentious version of Sex and the City too. Fair enough. There we go. <laughs> the line in the sand has <laughs> been, been drawn. drawn. <laughs> And and some somewhere Kim Watson face has off a camel to hilarious effect once again.
1: Yeah, I, I think what you're trying to say is that Sex in the City 2 is so bad that it actually retroactively subverts the brilliance of Ernest Hemingway. Yes. <laughs> which is something they should have put on the goddamn poster for Sex in the City too. Yep. That should have been the prevailing poll quote <laughs> right at the bottom. Richard Whitaker, Austin Chronicle. Hey. Well, we're not going to talk too much about that because they're. I think we're done with, I that. We're done with I, that. I think
0: um,
1: yeah, we're done with that. Yeah. Ph- the photography is very pretty. The photography is very it's pretty. It's very pretty, and the food looks
0: gorgeous and lovely. And I was like, oh my God. And then all you have is a pair of sport pricks going, oh, that's salty. <laughs>
1: Dude. Except, you know, I think, as you mentioned before, like, they don't actually say anything about the food other than, oh, that's lovely, oh, yeah. no, that's, that's delicious, and is that's the, it. Is,
0: is the calamari local? Yes, we're yeah. on the coast of Italy, yes, of course <laughs> it's fucking local, you moron.
1: Yeah, and they don't, they don't actually review the... And that, maybe, that's what, maybe that's what could potentially stick in my craw in a second viewing is, you're getting paid to do this and I don't see you doing any work. Yeah. It's like being sent to a film festival and turning in not a single review, which... Never mind. We won't need to name names. We don't need to name names. We're going to move on to a a film that I think will probably be my pick of the week, uh, which is a film called Pride.
0: Absolutely, my pick of the week. Yes, no problem at all.
1: Now I am really glad that you're here for this review. Yeah, because I am not always. I'm not always a big fan of the cop out argument. I didn't like this movie because of the cultural divide between myself and the culture that it's uh, that it's depicting. I will say. I was as at arm's length with this plot as I could possibly be, because not only do you have to understand um, the absolute wretchedness of Margaret, Threat, Margaret Thatcher, oh. not only do you have to understand the specificity of uh, the anti-homosexual agenda in Britain in the in the 80s, or in fact for many years before that, uh, with the uh indecency laws yeah, the
0: indecency laws and on
1: top of all of that you have to understand the miners strike that went on the for 1984, a 1984 85 miners strike which was uh in 1984 was the year i was born in a country that wasn't england <laughs> so i was like there were so many layers of like i don't get what's going on and this movie because it is a british film makes it doesn't really take a lot of effort to bring the audience into the fold it kind of just throws you in and is like go 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 so I should have not really enjoyed this movie at all. If, or understood if, it. Or understood it if that was the kind of argument I subscribed to. And there were moments where I was like, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that means. But overall, I really did enjoy this movie. But Richard, fill us in on a, a few of these things that I've Okay, this here. is
0: actually based on a real historical situation. 1984, uh, the coal miners had gone on strike because uh, Margaret Thatcher basically wanted to shut down the uh, the coal industry and used all these big lies about, oh, well, you know, Polish coal's going to be cheaper. No, it wasn't. I mean, she really just wanted to break the unions. And they were really standing strong, but it was, it was a really tough time for them. They were running out of money. She tried to starve them to death. She basically tried she to starve them to death. She took their
1: benefits away. While they're on strike, so they couldn't afford to live. She fucking tried to starve entire Welsh communities, Welsh communities, Yorkshire communities, all
0: these places. I mean, this she was fucking awful. Um, I'm Wretched still, in, I'm bitch. still, I'm still in line to piss on her grave at some point. Uh, <laughs> it's a long queue. I'll tell you that much. Um, but you know, the they, they really were suffering, and the gay community in London and in other large cities. When you know what. At the moment, the only people that Margaret Thatcher hates more than us are the miners, and they're like, "Let's let's do some fundraising for them."
1: Yeah, and, well, know, because they, 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 the the gay community also understood what it was like to be bullied by police and yeah. to be the uh, you know the subject of brutality, and so they 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 found a a common a, a common bond with the the miners. Unfortunately they're still miners, Like, they're still, like, salt of the earth, completely blue-collar, conservative. Like, I mean, it's it's basically as as white bread as it gets, you know? Yeah,
0: it's, and, and this is, particularly in this film, because where they go is this rural Welsh community. So it's Which
1: translucent
0: is, bread. Yeah. It's not I mean, just it's, white bread. I mean, they, they, they keep a welcome in the hillside, but also a good kicking if they don't like if it. If you try to toast the bread in Wales, it actually, it turns red. It turns whiter. Um... Uh, <laughs> It actually becomes powder and explodes. Um, <laughs> but the, 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 what happens and what actually happened in, these, in a lot of these circumstances was they, these guys go, go from London with a bucket of money, go to these communities, and they go, Hi, we're gay and from a big city. Have some money, poor, poor working class uh, Welsh guy. And they went, Oh my God, thank you so much. You, you are our friends. You are our friends forever. This is a story about two groups who had nothing in common apart from the fact that everybody hated them. And they come together. Yeah. And, you know, there's some tension with, you know, some
1: people going, oh, it's the gays, we can't have them in our community. Um, and there's a plot about that. <laughs> the, but, uh, the plot about that, I have to point this out, though. Like, I, I do like that, And initially, the reaction is exactly what you think it would be. It's a, it's a hall full of, you know, again, salt of the earth, blue-collar workers, and suddenly this uh, this troop of gays and lesbians comes in and is like, hey, uh, it, his first joke, the the... The kind of, uh, the person leading the movement, his first joke is like, cause there's a band on stage He's like, let me do my Judy Garland review. And it's like, that goes over like a lead <laughs> balloon. Um, so it's like, I, the tension there makes sense to me, but you know, you do, you do understand why eventually you'd have to accept somebody who not only is, is as hated as you are, but is doing everything they can to support you and save your life in a very, you know, tough time in your life. So like the friendships that develop feel very organic, but I do love the fact that even after the rest of the town has accepted them, there are three, three total holdouts in the entire community is <laughs> a mother and her two children who were just like, no, we don't like gays. And like there's a scene where they're all having a party, like the 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 miners and the gays and everyone's just having a good time at the hall. And in walk the two holdout like teenagers who are like, go back where you came from and all ready for a fight. I'm like, you realize you'd have to fight your whole town at this point like what like being being judgmental still not liking them still I get that actually thinking you can pick a fight with them when they're surrounded by the rest of your town that's embraced them not sure how that's gonna go over for you and you know, and this
0: this was a you know as you'll find out when you watch the film this is becomes a very important point in both um, you know gay rights uh, in America in the UK uh, and also in union rights a lot of things come out of this and it is based on true stories and several of the characters are actually based on real characters real people mm-hmm. uh, one of the women who you know first embraces them actually goes on to be an MP she goes you know she was so inspired by this right. that she goes off and gets a degree and becomes an mp what's
1: an mp a uh, member of parliament see we wouldn't know that
0: so. heathens um, <laughs> but it's also you know this is 1984 so you've also got the you know the uh, uh the fear of of AIDS yeah and that becomes that starts to crop up as you as you move forward in the narrative and there's some anything you know this is a big ensemble cast it's beautifully held together mm-hmm. um you know it you know, and like you know, this was. I grew up in the eighties. I you know, I grew up watching the minor strike on television, and remembering all this happening. And you know, I remember. And at one point, they they have the uh, AIDS will kill you TV ad. Um, and it's just, I remember all of this, and it feels right. This doesn't mm-hmm. feel like cloying eighties uh, retro nostalgia. This feels like what I remember. Yeah, and that's the first thing, and I'm
1: like, okay, you get. That oh, it's right. definitely not nostalgic because the first for, thing you think in this movie is, I don't want to live in these 80s. Oh no, no they, these were 80s.
0: they were horrible. They no. <laughs> were Terrible, terrible time. But this is, you know, it's it's incredibly strong ensemble cast. The plot is great. It really feels honest and hard. And you know, the miners' strike did not end well for the miners. That's the truth of it. But you get this feeling of like this was a good time. This was a this was a good thing that something important came out of this, and it's a great cast. It, it is. Great. I mean,
1: you've got Bill Nye, Amelda Staunton, other people
0: Unrecognizable that recognizable Bill Nye as
1: well. Yeah, yes, and other people who haven't been in Harry Potter movies. Uh, <laughs> Dominic West as a an actor who was one of the first in the UK to be diagnosed with. HIV, uh, very interesting story uh, surrounding surrounding him, and a great performance from him. I, I I always forget, because I love Punisher Warzone so much, that Dominic West can act. Yeah. I always forget that, because yeah. I love him so much as Jigsaw, I just can't help it.
0: Andrew Scott as well. But, Andrew Scott, yeah. yeah Patty, who, who Patty, Patty Considine. One of, Andrew, Andrew Scott, great you know, you're used to him kind of going so over the top in in, uh, in Sherlock as Moriarty, and here he puts in this really quiet, restrained performance as you know a guy who came, who is gay and came from one of these Welsh villages, and it's just like oh, uh, yeah, no, I don't want to go back there because I'd get the shit beaten out of me. And he's really good in this. Absolutely. And there are, yeah, there are some jokes that you're not going to necessarily get in the American audience. Like, there's a wonderful joke about, you know, you can't, oh, we don't mind you bringing gays in here, but nobody from North Wales. Yeah, uh, I was like, what? <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> so there are some very British jokes in there, But I think, you know, those odd moments of like, what? You'll be able to move past really quickly because the the core of the story about two put-upon communities coming together is so beautifully done, so well-handled, and so honest, and so earnest without being treacly or cloying. You know, this is undoubtedly my, my pick of the week.
1: Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's not, a, I will say this, it's not a perfect film. Uh, mostly my, if I have issues with this, it's in the editing. Because there are a few scenes that uh, the way they're constructed accident, actually accidentally lend credence to some of the arguments being made by the few holdouts against the gays. Like, there's this whole, like, the woman in town who, uh, despite the fact that they're bringing in all this money and doing everything they can for this mining community, says things like, well, the fact that they're gay is, is a distraction and people aren't talking about. And it's like, lady, they weren't talking about that until you went to the newspaper and, like, made a big fuss about it. So, but there's a scene um, at a concert. Where they're throwing this this big sort of uh, like benefit concert and they're raising all this money and in the middle of this impassioned speech from Considine, they keep cutting to people in the audience, straight and gay alike, who are just you know uh, to use a British term, snogging with one another. Yeah, and it's like what. But you're distract you're doing that right now. You are presenting a distract like the important thing is what's happening. There's a very emotional thing going on. Th- this unity is really like is becoming cohesive, and you keep cutting away to people making out. And I'm like, th- you're creating the same distraction that you were villain. You were obvious villain of the piece. That's her one argument she's, against the gaze. She's
0: so villainous that she could actually be written by Stephen King. She has That's that true, feeling. Yeah. Like, you know, d did, did you not make it through the first round of auditions for the fog because you have that feel madam
1: yeah do you remember do you remember how much we hated Imelda Staunton in Harry Potter yeah that's how much I hated this woman in this movie yeah, like I expected is- her house to have a bunch of uh, you know saucers with kittens on them bats and crows bats and crows <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and not the good kind not the good kind overall I think it's 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 a tremendous film it really like I you know for me was uh, educating yeah because uh, educational because I didn't know uh, anything about the minor strike uh, and I you know the the AIDS thing has been covered, I think, from the American homosexual perspective for a long time in film. Uh, this is one of those rare instances where I've actually seen it kind of uh, what what uh, English gay culture was like, and that was really interesting. And yeah, no, I, I think I think it's a it's a very. If you've fan- never
0: heard a Bronski beat, you will by the end you, of this.
1: Sh- I hadn't, and now I have. Um, but so yeah, I, I highly recommend. It. It's my pick of the week. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to Ben uh, Schnetzer who plays. Uh, the the gentleman who, well, I'm trying to remember the character's name now, um, who is sort of the, he kind of rallies everyone to form this group to support the mind. Mark is the name of the character. Uh, he was actually born in New York. Yeah. Which actually surprised the hell out of me because I thought his accent was...
0: Oh, no, his accent. Perfect. He, I, I was like, I, I looked up his resume and I'm like, he's american
1: really yeah like
0: he he nails this not he not, a, not a second
1: of insincerity or, or falseness in that accent and, and, and there is some spectacular
0: 80s hair going on in this and not like very much not so. a, not american big hair it's like british british dank or overly coiffed and like carved stuff it's, yeah. it's pretty hilarious
1: yeah so we're gonna go from the pick of the oh, week oh, can i can actually just say
0: there's yeah. this like whoever did the set dressing for this there were moments i was watching and going where did you find that? Because there's a moment where they uh, they're uh, spreading some bread on some, uh, some butter on some bread. They don't use bread. They use Stork SB margarine, which they haven't made in decades. And it was the original pot. It was the original container. And I'm like, that's a detail that somebody paid some serious attention to getting the uh, getting 1984 right. Because I was like, I, I saw that. and I actually felt the plastic because it had this kind of like weird. It was slightly too brittle, and I, I was like they got this right. So if you want to know what Britain in the 80s was really like, both kind of London gay um, Britain, but then rural working-class Britain, this is one of the best films about that you will ever fucking see. I will put this up with 24-hour party people as like a, just one of the great period pieces for the film. For the I, year.
1: Am, I am so at arm's length with you in that comment right now that I can tell that you've been cleaning under your nails. So yeah. congratulations, congratulations. <laughs> so from our pick of the week to the movie that I probably hated the most this entire week... Let's talk no about because I, I I would join you in that, but I had the trip to Italy.
0: Yeah, that's true. You <laughs> hated that hate movie.
1: You at least this at least that movie was in focus the entire time. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sanatorium is a film. Oh, God. I just want to say this to After Dark Films: Please stop. Um, what's the play with being a company <laughs> immediately because all you put out is garbage and you are. By doing so, you are supporting the idea that any idiot can write garbage and get paid for it and thereby choke up the genre that I love with absolute nonsense, and that's what people now have come to associate the entire horror genre with, is bullshit like this.
0: And the, tragi- the real tragedy about After Dark is that they put out one of my favorite horror films in the last ten years, Lake Mungo which I love, and if you've not seen, you really need to. It's a great revolutionary little horror film. Uh, uh, even A Broken it,
1: Clock is right twice a day. The, sure. the
0: rest is
1: is uh, pretty much garbage, and so is Sanatorium. And it's not even worth, I, and I rarely ever say this, it's not even worth finding a film like Lake Mungo if you have to sit through the entire catalog of inept... Unwatchable dreck like yeah. this. This is yet another ripoff of uh what uh, a Grave, Grave Encounters. It's a fucking Grave Encounters rip-off from start to which finish. Which is it is now officially a genre. Yeah. Ripping off Grave Encounters, which itself was a sort of flying under the radar found footage wannabe. Yeah. Which, you know, was done fairly well. I, I will give it props, especially after seeing Sanatorium. <laughs> I will give it all the props in the universe because this film is just another completely conventional, we're go- we're a uh, supernatural TV show, which the fact that we have so many of those already, like I want to spit on the ground. We're a supernatural TV show. We're going to go to this old asylum and we're going to see if we can find ghosts. We shouldn't have done that. Things go bad. The end. Yeah. That's it. Like there is nothing surprising. There is nothing innovative there is nothing even interesting about this movie i i you know the way you wanted to turn off trip to italy this was the longest 89 minute movie (laughs) i have ever seen in my life i i literally was like wait did i get up and go to the bathroom and pause it at some point that i don't remember because i feel like i've been sitting here for three hours it is that much of a slog to get through
0: the, the only thing... I, I, will, I will put two tiny things up in its defense.
1: Good. Somebody should. Two
0: tiny things. Uh, number one is that at the end, the last ten minutes get quite fun-gory. That's okay. But you've got to wait through 79 minutes of
1: Ugh, okay to get there. I would give you that, except one of the gore shots in the movie is either insanely unpleasant considering the rest of the film or making some weird statement about motherhood that I have never heard before because there's a shot where this character well, I, I, I don't want to ruin it I'll just say that I'm just going to leave ruined? it at that I'm going to leave it at that
0: no ruin well I'm not uh, spoil I don't yeah. want to spoil
1: it in case you yeah, actually I mean, want to it, waste it, your time it, it, it watching a,
0: it. it in fact I was looking at that one sequence and went hey if you'd have had the guts and the spine that you've got in this closing five minutes and had that for the rest of the film or the grieve, pre- uh, preparedness to annoy the audience I think this would a much better film Instead, everything is is completely by the numbers. The only other good thing is that Kate Wood Riley, who plays the uh, the female lead, um, I actually want to see her in other stuff, Um, and she actually comes from a comedy background. Uh, She's part of Upright Citizens Brigade, and I would have much preferred to see her in anything else because she's kind of like there was another basically the same. A grave Encounters ripoff earlier this year that me and uh, me and Chris uh, reviewed and I can't remember the name of it because it was that memorable
1: yeah um, I'm not going to remember this tomorrow
0: but it was you know again it actually had a decent female lead in a piece of shit horror that I'm just like you know no I want to see you in other stuff because you actually have some depth and some chops Mm -hmm. the rest of this is complete shit all the other characters I want to talk oh by the way and because this film wants to fuck with you for no readily apparent reason they obviously had one important scene that they had forgotten to edit in uh, uh, that's in the the credit sequence I'm like Well, it doesn't actually add anything. Wow, I didn't even see that. Because
1: as soon as I saw the first credit, I joyfully shut it off. There's a
0: mid-credit sequence that actually isn't, like, that great. And honestly, if you hadn't worked out what was going on much earlier, then it's like, oh, well, this doesn't really twist anything or do Mm -hmm. anything, but, like, it probably would have worked in the fucking film where it should have (laughs) been. Oh, my God. And it's literally just, like, a 30-second shot. And it's like... There's nothing about you know when people say they hate found footage, what they mean is they hate. They hate like this. this. Yeah. When there's still really wonderful found footage going there on. Is. There is. I, I can't love, write off the
1: genre entirely. I
0: lo- you know. Last year I loved Exist. Uh, Frankenstein's Army which is completely fucking gonzo and I adore you know those are still really great the one long take in uh, Willow Creek I didn't like the rest of the film but the one long take in Willow Creek which I you know just is fucking mind blowing for me and you I you still agree love, to
1: disagree on that one still
0: love that one moment um you know, there's great things that can be done with the genre. This is as far from that as you can possibly fucking humanly get. Yeah. This is Project... This is Project X of the horror film. Oh, man. Oh, this is like... Dude, I, I already I hate this movie you, enough. Don't invoke, invoke that you comparison.
1: you stop you. Don't invoke that... I already hate this movie enough. <laughs> Don't bring Project X into the equation. And not the good one with the chimp. Not the good one with the chimp, no. And, and the thing that really pisses me off is like, I get it's low budget. I have seen low budget horror movies that use their lack of funds to inspire creativity to try things to get around it that actually make the movie interesting in this film the low budget scares are barely scares at all and they don't even like there's a scene where they look up and like oh there's a light moving like really that's what's and it's moving in such a way that you can tell they've just attached a string to each end and are just twisting it back and forth it's not even spinning it's just like you can tell exactly where the wires are and it's like come on you can't do anything better than that. And if you, if you want to, you know, low budget at this point, if people say, oh, well, it's
0: low budget, we've got to make some excuses for them, go watch Found, which came out last year, about a serial and his brother, uh, or go watch Coherence, both of which were shot for less than $30,000. In fact, they had to do some reshoots for Coherence, and they spent more on getting a replacement, uh, getting a wig so that the one the actress's hair would match then they <laughs> for the reshoot then they spent on the entirety of the the first round of shooting Jesus. like this you know you you can do amazing things for no money yeah. this uh, this this takes that and you're going you should just fucking spend this on Dunkin donuts
1: it's a, it's a word i don't get to use very often insipid yes this is insipid none of the characters have anything remotely likable about them as far as i'm concerned and the fact that we have to spend so much time directly in their face makes it all the more unbearable and it does all of the things that bad found footage. who's holding the camera right now that doesn't even make sense considering your own rules that scare was i could see coming a mile away oh look you added a bunch of cg at the end to try and reinforce something that wasn't there throughout the rest of the movie like it's all the the bullshit that has made people completely turn their backs on found footage, and I like, and I even said on I think on the last show with Chris, like I want Hollywood to stop doing so much found footage because they they nobody's doing it right. Yeah. That doesn't mean necessarily that I want the subgenre to go away. I just think there should be a review board where you have to submit your idea, like a, <laughs> a found footage review board. You have to submit your idea and it has to be approved because at this point, any jackass who went to film school for a week before they got stoned and took a job at Starbucks uh, can write, can get a movie sold and it, like a company like After Dark will buy it and make garbage as long as the cover's really you know uh, visually attractive they can put it on Netflix and make money off of it i'm just tired of it yeah it's it, i'm over it that's what i'm saying
0: Yep, we we are officially officially setting ourselves up as the you must get past us before you can take your camcorder and produce something shitty in the woods.
1: Yep, story Absolutely. over. Absolutely.
0: Moving on. Moving on to Moving.
1: something I didn't get a chance to see, but I know Richard is real oh, excited to
0: talk about. You lucky, 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 <laughs> lucky duck. Here. Thank
1: God for uh, you know the good lie and uh, and pride and a few minutes of trip to Italy. Otherwise, this show would just be I hate everything, and so do you.
0: Oh my God! This um. Do you remember a a shitty, shitty <laughs> supernatural horror action movie called Legion from a few years ago?
1: Okay, full disclosure, I do remember that movie. It's one of my guilty pleasures. I enjoy but that. You, but I, you admit it's, no, not it's very No, it's terrible. Good. It's fucking awful. No, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not defending it as a good film. I am saying that I kind of enjoy watching it.
0: Did you ever want Legion, the TV series? No! Because that's exactly what this is. As its biggest defender, no! No, I don't want that. This is Legion, the TV series. Oh, for fuck's sake. So, basically, uh, what happens is that, you know, a few years after Legion, when, you know, the next savior of the world has come and the angels are all pissed off because god's disappeared and just uh,
1: something he's fucked off down in new
0: jersey to some, play skee ball something theological <laughs> basically <laughs> something that's going to piss off the uh, the catholic league of decency or whatever they're called uh this all happens and in the film at least you just get paul bettany hitting people in the face um guns some okay cgi angel and angel fight sequences um, and then come this weirdly ambiguous ending where they say, oh no, the world's still going to end and angels are going to try and kill everybody, but whoa, now mysteriously, the sci-fi channel has decided that they want to do that.
1: Listen, they've never made a series. bad decision in the past, never. so, you know, I, I feel like they're owed one.
0: Uh, and we are in future Las Vegas.
1: Oh boy. Oh, where
0: boy. a bunch of people you will recognize as character actors from other science fiction stuff, including some sci-fi channel
1: regulars. I'm sorry, how hack is that? How absolutely hack is like, oh, it's about angels and God is missing, so we gotta set it in Sin City. Like, I'm sorry. Like, pick- Which is now called Vega. Because Ve- the S fell
0: off the sign, <sighs> seemingly. Um, this is really...
1: you. Know, everything the alpha is and the, oh, Vega
0: this is everything that predictable they're trying to build up complicated plots about oh this guy who runs the city is is villainous and up to something and the angels are up to something and oh who really is oh and it's like no this is as prosaic and dull as it comes And it's final proof that sci-fi even though it said it's going to try and you know write the ship after years of disaster it's not picking good projects this is you know kind of helix level of directionless No flow to it, you know. Suddenly, characters do stuff, and you're like, "Really? Were you planning that at the beginning of the season?" Um, And I think the the most important thing I can say about uh, about Dominion is that if you're going to watch one post apocalyptic series from from sci fi beginning with the letter D, watch Defiance instead, (laughs) which is doing a lot of the same things. uh, You know, a slightly unconventional post apocalyptic location. Uh, You know, big paranoia conspiracy theory stuff, um, weird extraterrestrial powers, and doing it so much better. It's, you know, Rodney S. O'Bannon, responsible for one of my all-time favorite series. Uh, you You know, everything about this is a poor shadow of something else. The sci-fi is already doing.
1: I just love that there could be somebody out there with so esoteric a decision-making process for what they watch on TV that they're like, I want to watch a sci-fi channel show that begins with D and nothing else.
0: And apples. And- <laughs>
1: Now, are you sure this is based on Legion? Because it could also be based on, I don't know if you heard this, but Dan Brown has a new book come out that's called Angels and D-Bags. <laughs> so that might be what this is actually no, based this is, on.
0: This is, uh, this got picked up for a second season. I have no idea why. You know, I think it, it's sci-fi trying to get some of those, you know, post-Dan Brown evangelical dollars. And nothing about this is is worth anybody's time. And I really wish they'd take it off and think about what it is that they've done and try and come up with you know maybe they're not going to be able to have another um another uh, farscape they may not have another battlestar galactica but they need to try something a little bit better than this because this is derivative in all the worst ways and feels cheap when you feel cheaper than your source material and legion was not an expensive film you know this is just and seriously watch defiance instead season one is on netflix uh does some very smart things with the alien invasion concept
1: Fair enough. Well, that was Richard Whittaker completely Hating. holding Hating. holding eating dominion over the show Dominion. Um, and now before we go, we're going to cut to our correspondent in the field, Chris Cox, who has
3: snagged a very special guest for a very um, questionable review. As you've probably been able to tell by now, this is Chris, and I am not on this episode of Digital Noise. Oh, wait. Where I guess I am on this episode of Digital Noise. Okay, I'm not on the bigger part of the episode of Digital Noise, but I'm popping in to make a special appearance here with your friend and mine, Matt Frank. That would be me. Who somehow talked me into letting him come on to do a review of the My Little Pony movie, Rainbow oh, Equestria Girls' Rainbow Rocks. Thank you. Um, <laughs> all I can say is, is uh, after this we're even, right? <laughs> well, we'll talk. Uh, (laughs) Tell us a little bit about my Little Girls... Equest- My Little Girls? My Little Pony that's Equestria that's Girls... Yeah, that, that's the porn version. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. My Little Pony Equestria Girls Rainbow Rocks. What the hell is this about? <laughs> well,
2: given that um, uh, Brian, you can blame him for opening the floodgates, uh, given that um, we now have carte blanche at this point, and I've kicked down your door, essentially, <laughs> um, the uh, this is actually the second... Of the My Little Pony movies.
3: Direct-to-DVD movies.
2: Direct-to-Well, well, they actually had limited theatrical runs. No kidding. Did mm-hmm. you see this in the theater? I didn't play in Austin. Oh. was well,
3: sad. I should have tugged it. I should have, but... I uh, knew you masturbated to My Little Pony. Well, <laughs> you say that... I trapped you. Yes, you <laughs> did.
2: Uh, no, but um, uh, it, it, they did have... Um, limited theatrical runs. I think the first one had much, a much larger theatrical run than this one did. This one was just kind of in a couple of theaters and then out on DVD, but, like, almost, almost immediately. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> so, I'm trying to think of the best way to start talking about this. Okay, well just
3: assume that the, the the fans in question know at least that My Little Pony are a bunch of ponies in a yep. magical world who believe friendship is the source of their magic, presumably. Yes, that is correct. Uh, that's what I've gotten from the friendship is magic, is that that is yes. literal nowadays. It, it, and and <laughs> nowadays. that they have like a variety of different powers that pro- crop up as plot appropriate yeah i mean
2: basically yeah that's that's in a nutshell the uh then the Equestria girls movies these are actually the things that the bronies and the brony community actually tend to disparage like these are the things that a lot of fans of the show people that i know even don't want to even give this a chance
3: oh because it's different all right so uh, this is not the same universe as My Little Pony, the cartoon show?
2: Uh, it technically kind of is. Okay, so in the Equestria Girls movies, we've established that uh, there, are, there is the magical world of Equestria, <laughs> where ponies talk and stuff, and there's magic and all this stuff, and then there's the human world. It's not necessarily our world, air quotes, because characters in... The human world of Equestria Girls still have names like Twilight Sparkle and Fluttershy. So this
3: sounds like a parallel universe scenario.
2: It is because there is a parallel character in the human world to all the ponies in the in Equestria. In okay, the pony so it world. is a parallel universe. Right, it's basically sliders. <laughs>
3: Okay. <laughs> this is Sliders rules, kind of. And by that, we're not talking about the little mini-burgers. We're talking about an old television show called Sliders that you guys probably missed. Oh, man, I'm hungry. Uh, <laughs> and, <it's, laughs> and I also wish they would bring back Sliders, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I only ever watched the one with the dinosaur. <laughs> oh, man, that show's so good. I have to loan you the DVD set. I'd like so to watch it. It was awesome.
2: Yeah. Okay, so, um, <laughs> So yeah, basically, uh, quick recap, um, Twilight Sparkle, the main character, has discovered that there is this portal to the human world. And through a series of mishaps and misadventures, basically chases a villain through the portal to the human world to stop magical shenanigans from going down in the human world. Because the human world has no magic. Therefore, uh, Therefore, it is more vulnerable than Equestria. Like, a villain with enough magical power could just take over the human world. Okay. Because there's nothing...
3: Magic would work here, it's just no one's ever actually used it before, is what you're saying.
2: Yeah, and it's extra shitty because uh, according to the new movie, Rainbow Rocks, apparently the the bigwigs of Equestria have been using the human world as a dumping ground for villains. (laughs) Okay. Because once you're sent through the portal... You become human, and I assume the same would be true if you go through the portal to Equestria, you would become a pony. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh,
3: so That's not like Sliders.
2: No, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we've got to commit to this whole humanized version of the characters thing. Okay. Um, the first movie is mostly centers around Twilight trying to adjust to the human world while she's also trying to track down this villain. So
3: wait. All right, so here's what I don't understand, because if there is a human equivalent of Twilight in the human world, then Twilight, and Twilight becomes a human when she becomes into the human world, so uh-huh. is she a identical clone of the human version of her that's already there? Well, I don't want to get into spoilers,
2: because they, they, I know, because they... <laughs> I'm sorry. They, <laughs> they, they, they do, that is, that has come up. They kind of addressed it as like a throwaway gag in the first movie where they're, uh, where... The human version of Pinkie Pie is like, isn't there a girl uh, who has purple hair and a pink stripe in it just like you who lives in a city? Is she like your twin sister or something? And it's just a throwaway line.
3: Okay. It's just a, it's just a so gag. So we never actually see the human version of Twilight Sparkle, then.
2: Well, that's actually, that's actually kind of addressed again in the second movie, but not really... I don't want to go into spoilers with that. That's a, that's that's something that does come up, though. Okay. But, yes, I mean, essentially, that's one of the reasons why all the other ponies don't go with Twilight Sparkle to the human world, because, and as she says... We can't have two of you all running around because it would get really confusing really quickly.
3: Yeah, it caused all kinds of problems on Continuum. So
2: <laughs> there, you, there you go. <laughs> you, you gotta, you, you have to uh, pick your battles essentially.
3: Sure. But um, just the important thing to remember is, if you have sex with your double, to immediately kill them afterwards because they're <laughs> going to try and do it to you. So you just get the jump on that after you've gotten the jump on that.
2: Now you've given me a whole new range of just things to think about. Yeah. Uh,
3: it's a very important role.
2: They're in high school.
3: <laughs> oh, well, oh, yeah, and there's no sex going on there. Well, not for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I think we need to have a little talk. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: anyway, my my broader point is that um, what a lot of, of the fans were worried about was that this was going to be just the new direction, and it 's really kind of obvious that this is Hasbro saying, "Hey, the monster high
3: thing is really popular, so let 's have pony high yeah basically, yeah, Which and is appropriate that you got to be high to watch the ponies, so mm, <laughs> sure
2: <laughs> uh, uh, so when you i I could make a joke about the about an in joke about the universe and something called um uh, what's it called, uh, uh, laughing joke, but I won't. Uh, okay, let's, uh, fair enough. Anyway, um, <laughs> there's a, so there's a, uh, 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 like I said, there was a fear that this was the direction the series was going to go in. It was going to be this kind of by-the-numbers high school semi-drama, semi-comedy where, oh, we go, you know, it's the prom and we got to get ready. The prom's tomorrow. And what it's actually become is basically like a magical girl anime. Okay. Where they all have magic powers now because of the magic Twilight brought
3: with her through the portal. All right, so the human equivalents of them... In the other, in the parallel universe, now actually have pony powers. Yeah, basically. And now I'm seeing something about like where they're in a band and they find out that whenever they play, they sort of turn into ponies. Yeah,
2: well, it's this is now this is where it gets weird. All that
3: other shit is par for the course. Yeah, they, we're uh, starting to get into clopper territory here. Is what's going on?
2: You know, I, <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? Uh, there's a there's a Porn subreddit for every friggin' franchise. Of course, of course. I mean, it's just that the the pony thing is much more obvious because the brony thing is a thing. So it's like, oh, grown men, surely they're jacking it. Um, <laughs> I mean, they are in every other context. So why not?
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, yes.
2: But anyway, <laughs> the uh, they they become they really they just get little ears and and wings if they were pegasi. Okay, or, so that's still hot. Sure. Yeah. I am with you. i um, we're on the same wavelength now.
3: Um the whole Julie Newmar they, with wings thing going on. There you on
2: go. There. They actually do kind of look like cat ears a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's what I pictured.
2: There you go. Yeah. Um, so, they do kind of get the little like they get these longer ponytails and they do what they, Ponytails? Yeah, that's literally what it is. It's just this long ponytail, and it means something. I don't know. And then they have wings that can fly, or they can cast magic spells and stuff, which in the movie manifests itself as them playing their instruments and, like, firing spells with their instruments and stuff. Okay, It's kind of cool, actually. Like, it, like uh, Pinkie Pie is the drummer, and she's hooked up to these giant speakers, so when she's hitting the drums, these giant waves of energy are coming out, and, like... It basically turns into this Scott Pilgrim Battle of the Bands type thing with giant
3: astral-projected monsters and stuff. Why do I feel like this series is going to end, like, the Matrix, where it's, like, it pulls out and it's just, a, like, the alternate Matrix room where just a bunch <laughs> of people are plugged in and this is the world they think they live in?
2: <laughs> oh my god, that's like the Adventure Time theory, that it's all, Finn's in a coma and it's oh, all yeah, just in no, his Oh yeah, no, that's head. gotta be
3: true. Oh, Adventure that makes Time. me sad. Yeah. Like, or, or just stuck in an endless trip, you know? Right, like, you he was borderline schizophrenic, took some LSD, and now he's just trapped in that world. Oh my god, that's yeah. sad. I,
2: they, no, it's a beautiful world with magic I, and th- friendship. I,
3: they need to introduce Sid and Marty Croft as characters on Adventure Time, is all I'm saying.
2: Well. I wouldn't be surprised if they would make a Sid and Marty Croft reference in My Little Pony, because there are references galore in the show and in the movies. Like, at one point, they make a Daft Punk reference, in apropos of nothing. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Rarity's trying, she's the fashionista. She's trying on all these different outfits for the band, and at one point, it cuts away and cuts back, and she's just in full-on Daft Punk gear with, like, voice modification, and it's really, it's just out of nowhere, and it's really funny. Um... but, yeah, so, what But what I like a lot about this movie is it's keeping with the theme of the show, which, uh, one of the themes of the show, which is, has a lot to do with redemption. Okay. Because the, I would argue that the main character of the movie, is, of this movie, isn't so much Twilight Sparkle as it is the villain of the previous movie, Sunset
3: Shimmer. I know. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to be serious. I really.
2: (laughs) Um, This is hard
3: for me. But I know. I respect you, like the bands.
2: (laughs) I'm just gonna say that. Okay. (laughs) No, trust me. I've met some bronies that I make me not want to call myself a brony. (laughs) (laughs) I respect you, Matt. Yay, me. (laughs) (laughs) But the. Uh, But she was the villain of the previous movie, and there was this whole thing where she becomes, in her own words, raging she-demon at the end of it, and tries to turn the school into an army of zombies. But she um, was basically learned about the power of friendship, and now is wanting to be friends and wants to kind of redeem herself. But pretty much the only ones who are willing to trust her are the main characters, the main six, so to speak. Okay. And everyone else, nobody else in the school trusts her. Everybody is like, yeah, she was a literal she-monster demon who tried to either kill us or enslave us. So, the movie is kind of about her trying to adjust and trying to Basically become a hero like the rest
3: of them. All right, so she has actually become the sympathetic protagonist here.
2: In a lot of ways, there's there's a there's some really nice parallels between her and Twilight and what people expect of them. Like everyone expects Twilight to come in and fix everyone's problems. And everyone expects Sunset Shimmer to screw up and ruin everything. Okay. Because she like everyone's worried everyone's thinking that basically just under the surface she is still that Evil person who tried to take over everything. Meanwhile, they're fighting. They're fighting the sirens, who are these supernatural monsters who are in the form of these girls who are singing to everyone and making them all go crazy and feeding off of their negative energy.
3: So these are other things that also came through the portal at one point, presumably from the pre- the, the actual pony world.
2: Yeah, the the, the the sirens were banished to the human
3: world. And are
2: uh in human form now.
3: I'm thinking that there needs to be a summary judgment on whoever's doing all this banishing. <laughs> it's pretty much just a dick move any way you look at it. It's it's like can't it's, they banish them to the Phantom Zone or something? Well I mean, they
2: have the Phantom Zone. They actually they have Tartarus in the Pony universe, well, there but that's you go. for the send
3: them to Tartarus.
2: That's for like the baddest of the bad. That's uh, okay. for the the really bad villains. The really? the the remember that a few minutes ago, I showed Chris a clip from season four <laughs> the that am still
3: reeling okay
2: <laughs> Twilight's fighting this monster that um was in Tartarus was basically in the Phantom zone and then he found a way out somehow, and so it was all about rebanishing him and stuff and it's just a mess, but <laughs> there's a lot of bad shit in Equestria, and you've gotta put it all somewhere.
3: Yeah, but you know, I mean, like I said, it seems like at some point this is going to get addressed like, hey, other people live there. You know, well, you're just, you can't just go it all your shit. They're basically, they're polluters. Equestria is like <laughs> Dow Chemicals. <laughs> oh, come on, dude. That's, <laughs> That's a I'm s- low blow. I'm
2: sorry. Yeah. It's, a, it's an accurate comparison. Well, I would say that um, the, the, the logic was sound at the time because there's no magic in the human world. Right. So the sirens didn't have
3: any magic to feed off of. Okay, so they were not, they were just normal humans, basically, when they came over, and so... Like,
2: yeah, they were just, they could, like, they could, their whole shtick is that they can create negative energy and then kind of feed off of it, so they could manipulate people's minds into arguing or whatever, like, the, the opening scene is them in a cafe, and they're just kind of silently humming in the corner and everyone in the cafe is arguing with each other and they're just feeding off of the energy. Okay. And they're like but that's all they can do. That's all the power they can muster. And they've just been kind of tooling around for however many thousand years. And uh, now that that uh twilight had brought magic into the human world, uh they're like Oh, oh, oh my gosh, we have this whole, like, we can,
3: like, wreck shit now. So basically this one turns into Sunset... I'm going to predict this. Sun, sunset Shimmer... Oh God, I said that out loud. <laughs> uh, ends up being trusted by everyone when she ends up being the one who uncovers and then defeats the evil of the Sirens.
2: In, in a lo- uh, uh, That's more or less what happens. And it's it's all kind of like... It makes my twelve-year-old girl in my basement—I mean, heart—really um, like <laughs> oh, <geez>. squee because <laughs> it's uh, it, it just it really is kind of sweet and very earnest. And that's the thing I—I I, one of the reasons why I like the show is it's just very earnest and simple, but not pandering. And it's clear the people like if you strip away all the broniness of <laughs> My Little Pony, what you're left with is a I mean, let's be honest. It's not the best show ever. I would argue that in some respects it's not as good as, say, Adventure Time or, you know. I've
3: watched a lot of Adventure Time. I've officially watched one episode of My Little Pony, so I guess I'm not accurate to to gauge on that sense. I
2: mean, it's also kind of apples and oranges, but,
3: like... Yeah, it didn't seem... A lot of people said, do you like Adventure Time? You don't like My Little Pony? I was like... My Little Pony didn't seem anything like Adventure Time to it's me. It's
2: really not. My Little Pony is a lot more straightforward in yeah. its
3: in its good versus As evil. Adventure Time is almost a hallucination.
2: It, Adventure Time is way more of a let's get experimental. It's let's see how what fantasy boundaries we can push. And My Little Pony is relatively straightforward. But like what you're left with is pretty much just an above average show with some solid characters and some you know relatively decent writing it's not like transcendental
3: but you know
2: it <laughs> well, <laughs> for right. some people it
3: is but <laughs> first let me ask you this before yep. we get back into talking specifically about this mm-hmm. Was, is twilight sparkle a reference to the twilight series because i mean come on twilight and sparkle together right i know it's like okay that can't be a coincidence <laughs> right
2: you know it's funny i i this is a situation where um well one of se- many several situations i wish that we had Uh, Catherine O'Malley here with us, because she could tell you all about the original My Little Pony and what characters are references to what characters. Because I think there was a Twilight Sparkle in the original... Okay. Series. So uh, maybe
3: maybe the Twilight books were referencing my little book. <laughs> maybe,
2: it's not, it's, maybe there's that.
3: Um, right. I don't know. So above and beyond that, let's just say, this is also a musical. So it's not enough that they're a band. There's full, this is music all throughout this thing. Oh my God, I love the music so much. Oh my God. <laughs>
2: Shut up, you don't there's, understand me. the sound
3: of me facepalming. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like it hurt. It um, did, it did. It was a violent facepalm. At least I didn't head desk.
2: Yeah, please. Ah! Oh, they did it. Well, the, the thing about the music in My Little Pony is that the show itself actually is a bit of a musical. There are songs in a lot of the episodes. And uh, Daniel Ingram is the composer and uh, I think the writer also for a lot of the music in the show. I think all of the music. Between him
3: and apparently Megan McCarthy.
2: Yeah, they they really go all in with their music. And the, the lyrics sometimes tend to be a little on the doopy side, but... Uh I don't know I was I was thinking doofy and dopey
3: uh, uh doopy works I just okay. I'm laughing cuz it's like my thought was ever, like in my head that I shouldn't say as I's said to myself, yeah, no shit. Yeah,
2: but you're saying it now. <laughs> oh, yeah, you missed her one episode. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> yes, you're right, you're well, right. What I, what I did like about the first episode of the series is that when the first song breaks out and it's, it's Pinkie Pie singing this ridiculous fucking song, uh, 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 Twilight is like, tell me she's not actually singing. <laughs> and right. it's like, they're basically all rolling their eyes. Yeah, she's singing. <laughs> We're doing this. <laughs> but... Uh, the songs in the show are a lot more traditional musical, like, there's duets, and there's, like... Uh, sometimes the whole town itself breaks out into a drumline or something, and or, or a big chorus, and it's uh, got a lot more of a Broadway feel to it. <laughs> the movie has way more of a modern pop, and even a little bit of rock, and I would even argue, in the case of the villains, some heavy metal and, um... Uh, what's the, um, like, that's getting into more of the specifics, but, like, for example, all the characters, uh, have different songs that go with them, and different tones, and, uh styles. Like to
3: motifs.
2: Motifs, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the villains, um, the Sirens, or, or the Dazzlers, as they call themselves. I know.
3: <laughs> this <laughs> they... <laughs> is an insult to Marvel Comics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who that is. There, there's um, a character called Dazzler in okay. Marvel Comics. And she was cool. Okay. Even though she was also, kind of lame in a way. <laughs> she wore roller skates and used disco magic. So, oh, okay. yeah, mm-hmm. okay. I realize it's hard for me to defend Dazzler while <laughs> making fun of you for my liking. My Little Pony. I realize this. So. It's all good, man.
2: Um, mm. <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just adding it to my list over here. Uh, <laughs> but the their whole musical style is based on this really pretty catchy. Um, a very throaty chorus because it's the there. There are three of them. Two of them sing a lot of chorus and backup, and the main one uh, does most of the the singing. Ad- 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 Adagio, I think is her name. Okay, they're Adagio Sonata and something else I can't remember. But <laughs> uh, I don't think I ever actually call her by name. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, they almost have this very. They have this very threatening, almost Gregorian chant to their singing, and Daniel Ingram is really good at like picking his tunes and motifs and everything for the characters. And then, like, for example, Rainbow Dash, the cool but extremely narcissistic character... Has a song called "Awesome as I Wanna Be," and it's very Avril Lavigne,
3: like okay. really Avril. Well, I'm not surprised that they're like, especially with this one that's doing more of a rock musical, that they're drawing on recognizable modern sources. Yeah, it's probably yeah. no Nicki Minaj, but you know, no. It's but, like the, <laughs> the pony with the big ass. that's always posing like half naked in bathtubs and stuff. I'm sure there's fan art. <laughs> I'm sure you saying that generated fan art out of the ether. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Somebody has drawn a My Little Pony that's a, p- a parody of that Kim K- Kardashian photo shoot. You know they have.
2: Oh, I'm pretty sure I've seen it. <laughs> oh, good lord.
3: That means I'm pretty sure you were you were Googling for it. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised
2: what just pops up when you go to EquestriaDaily.com.
3: Oh, fair enough. Fair um, <laughs> enough. All right, so let's wrap this up and yeah. just say, overall, like you you said like the some of the bronies are not too thrilled that this series was being made in the first place, but you feel that it surpassed any fears that they might have had in terms of being actually pretty good.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no secret that like, this is a movie that if you're just kind of even, you really do have to be kind of into the series and have definitely have seen the first movie to watch this movie because it's like, you're not going to know what's going on unless you saw the last movie and a lot of the inside jokes and references and just where it is in the timeline also depends on what you've seen of the show. But I think a lot of fans were just like, "Yeah, we're just worried. We're just—it was just because it was something different, and they were doing something different with the characters, and uh, they felt like it was one of the one of the things that a lot of fans were worried about is so the characters in the main show. they're all basically functioning adults. They have jobs, they have careers, even in the case of Rarity, because she's a a designer, and she stays up late designing stuff and getting stuff done for clients, and it's relatable on an adult level, even. Uh, You know what I mean. I do. (laughs) But... Uh, the idea of them basically making a high school show about these characters they felt like it was gonna dub the char- uh, dumb the characters down and make them you know more vapid and more uh tween and like that that something was gonna be lost essentially
3: okay, but you don't feel like that happened
2: well no i mean in 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 some respect, it almost is as though they they actually have taken that concept and ran with it because. The characters who are uh, who are high schoolers from the human world uh, they are somewhat more immature and do are a lot more petty and then the characters like Twilight and Sunset Shimmer who are ponies from the pony world, they're the adults because they actually have adult lives and they are kind of the ones who are kind of directing, the girls in the way they need to go, like, to save the world. <laughs> well, anyway, I, I do I do feel, though, that I think that people who are fans of the show do need to give these movies a chance, especially just to get to this one, because this one was just so much goddamn fun. And this Netflix.
3: one is available now on Blu-ray and DVD. Yeah. Right on. And Netflix. You know, it's funny that, like, this is the only... I can't think of more than one other show that... Or or franchise where a successful franchise afterwards, or a franchise came out of it that was a spin spin-off that, that was set in a parallel universe. Yeah, the only other one is Star Trek. Oh yeah, it's the only other one I can think of where it's like they spun it off to a new series with like yeah, it's it's a parallel world. It's not the same world.
2: Yeah, and I think <laughs> yeah, and I think if they kept this if they keep this to movies and keep the because the show's coming back, season five is about to start pretty soon. Yeah, it and- would
3: be a brony riot which sounds like a cool name for a punk oh, album. Oh, that actually sounds awesome. Uh, <laughs> Brony Riot. Yeah. I want to just see the the art for the cover of that. Well, oh, i got to work on that. Um, <laughs> I should do that. I <laughs> totally should do that. Yeah, well, I'm still trying
2: to convince my editor to uh, let me have a crack at the My Little Pony covers, because... <laughs> uh, IDW, baby. Godzilla and My Little Pony.
3: <laughs> hey, man. It's 11.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thanks, guys. And let me take this opportunity, before we move on, I, I want to plug one of our newest blogs, uh, which is called Animated Anarchy. It's written by uh, Scotty Johnson, and he recently wrote an article about the uh, this this new My Little Pony movie that, that Matt Frank is talking about. It has a very different perspective from Matt, so I think it's an Morning. interesting counterpoint. Whoa. So go check out that article on oneofus.net. It's called Animated Anarchy. It's a great new uh, blog that we have. Uh, And you'll kind of get both sides of the My Little Pony coin. So there you have it.
0: There was an episode of uh, Auction Hunters recently where they uh, found a load of uh, My Little Pony stuff.
1: That's too bad. Um, (laughs) No, no, no. I I told, like I said, I made a promise I would not be mean to bronies. They're as nerdy as I am, just in a different way. I totally get that. Um, But that does mean it's time to do our... (gasps)
0: You know considering we didn't have much to review we went to we did a reasonable distance this weekend yeah. I think I think It's that because we can the people who've stuck through this
1: entire thing i i think we should do
0: something a little bit special
1: ooh, ooh. so not any of the titles we've talked about this week no. but maybe give away a, a a mystery bundle
0: mystery bundle
1: mystery bundle how's your mystery bundle mystery bundle <laughs> that's what we're going to do we're going to give away a mystery bundle it's going to have maybe a couple titles maybe some other extra stuff you just you have no idea you have no idea what's going to be in this thing but uh, it could be
0: any old crap
1: it could in be by, we could take I mean, a I in a bag and send it to you via UPS. And honestly,
0: you know. It if, would
1: still be better than sanatorium.
0: If the answer. <laughs> yeah, you may still get sanatorium, don't You might suck still- <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: the best answer to this week's question gets the gift bag. The worst answer gets sanatorium. That's it. <laughs> Because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean we don't know. I mean, we, we could pick one winner,
0: we could pick a couple. You don't know. You don't know. It depends how neither good, do we, apparently. It depends how good your answer is to the following question. What are you gonna do, Brian?
1: So you're gonna follow us on Twitter at one of and then I want you to respond to this hypothetical question. Pick a celebrity and tell us what their 2015 New Year's resolution should be. So give us something witty. Give us something funny. Give us something charming. Uh, give us give us a nice flan and and perhaps some um, some locally farmed calamari. And we will do impressions of Al Pacino for twelve hours <laughs> and and kill Richard Whitaker in the process. You're gonna hashtag that mystery giveaway, and we will pick a, a favorite or two, and we will send a uh, a mystery bag of goodies to those winners. We did it. Hey! We did it. It's over. Bye. Show done. Aww. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining us on this very weird episode. Not a lot of titles, but a lot of vitriol. <laughs> I think what we lack in titles, we made up for in vitriol. We, we
0: had our same total amount of vitriol, but we had fewer titles to smear it across.
1: Yes. <laughs> so it's like it's like a piece of giant Welsh butter, mm. Welsh butter, Welsh bread with uh, with more margarine to put on one slice of bread. I'm just making Richard hungry now. So yeah. make sure to follow us on Twitter at OneOfUsNet. Like the website on Facebook, facebook.com slash OneOfUsNet. You can also follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at BriGuySalisbury. I'm at YorkshireTX. And you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes as well as on Stitcher. And uh, and like I said at the beginning of the show, make sure to check out Richard over at the TheAustinChronicle.com uh, because he is a legit journalist. Allegedly allegedly, legit journalist Which is hard to say Um, And and make sure to become a subscriber if you haven't already Even at the $2 level you get access to that great Breakfast pub news and trailer show Every week and do use those Amazon links as much as possible But that's going to do it for this week's show So I think uh, the only course of action I have left Is to end the show as I always do Saying no release is too big No release is too small from Criterion to Sanatorium We review them all
2: Bye!
0: And now I've got Girls by the Beastie Boys going through my head. That's going to be stuck there all day.
1: Why do you have Girls from the Beastie Boys? Because that is
0: one of my default hold music, internal hold music noises. Really? Girls from Beastie Boys. Because it's. And you can always loop it back around. Huh. Same with Girl from Ipanema, my 2
1: hold music. If this song keeps playing, I'll murder everyone. So innocuous, makes me want to throw up its ubiquitous.
0: Anyway, Anyway, let's do this show. In three...